perfect opportunity, a brand new rookie challenge, the Power of the Punch Challenge. Now let's not forget, six of you had to share the spotlight last night live on Monday Night Raw. But the winner of this challenge will have the spotlight directly on them. Whomever wins gets an individual appearance next week live on Monday Night Raw. Wow. Okay, the rules are simple. Hit hardest, get the highest score. You ready? Set, go. The future is now. Welcome back to another episode of Half K NXT, the European title of wrestling podcast. <laughs> it's your boy, Nando O'Neill. Bark, bark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and your man, Larry the Axe. I'm sharp with the point. I'm sharp when I'm outside rolling a joint. I'm sharp when I'm doing things. I'm sharp with the crown like a king that gets Mmm. The Axe. <laughs> Damn, I, I ruined the, the the last the last punchline. All <laughs> oh, great, baby. Well, that was amazing. So, <laughs> it's all great, baby, because you know we got the European title, in the house, <laughs> dude. It's I'm so happy because of course you've known for years now that I've always loved the European title as my favorite WWE design. Yes, yes. and I know they always kind of had them scattered around on eBay and all these other personal collector people, or mm -hmm. not collector, but people who make championship belts. Mm -hmm. But I think this is actually the very first time that WWE themselves actually sold them. You know what I mean? I think. I, I You might be right. I, or they might have had it for a very limited time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, the one they have right now, it has a green back. I don't even remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember... It having a green strap and then the black strap mm -hmm. but i just don't never remember it having a green back and if it ever did who cares it looks <laughs> great it looks amazing and how i was telling you earlier i i think i'm definitely going to get it because i i don't collect the actual replica size ones mm -hmm. i usually collect the mini replicas just because you know cheaper small uh easier to kind of store everywhere it's much more economical yeah like, <laughs> i look at like your collection now and i'm just thinking like you know I have two big belts. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably could have had all of those <laughs> for a similar price. But I love my two oh, big yeah. belts. So, you know, I'm just waiting until the right time. I'm going to probably get the North American title. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my greatest prize will have to be a WCW TV title oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I get that one and then, like, I'd be very happy there. Yeah. No, I, I really like your titles, too, and, and Jamie's uh, SmackDown title. Yeah, that too. one is dope. I mm -hmm. actually really like that one. Like, as of one of the newer titles, mm -hmm. that, that's a, that's the color contrast on yeah. that one came out really good. Yeah. I think I'm, I think eventually I'm going to get the uh, that same belt, but the mini replica one, because mm -hmm. they, they finally have that one, too. And mm -hmm. I, as much as I was holding out and waiting to see if they ever made the European title as a mini replica, I'll wait just a few more months, but if not, 
that will kind of be perfect timing because at that point, hopefully, the current one will be uh, a part will be eligible for the twenty five percent discounts that mm-hmm. WWE Shop always does. Your so. best bet is going to be Black Friday, yeah, 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 or Cyber Monday, or mm-hmm. just that time mm-hmm. is probably going to be your best bet, and that's probably when I'm going to pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So another plug, a free plug for uh, WWE Shop dot com right there. So. Ugh. Man, let's just, you know what? Shout out to uh, WWE.com because basically from there, you'll get to see the inner, no, the uh, European title that we're just talking about and the episode that we're getting ready to review. Yes. Through the WWE (laughs) Network. So shout out to (laughs) WWE.com. It's all connected. Do you, that just reminded me of back in the, the Attitude Era when it used to be right there. When the wrestlers make their entrance, that big WWF.com <laughs> little uh, sign on the entrance ramp. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, shout out to you guys. <laughs> yeah, we're back at it. <laughs> awesome. So, I definitely want to get started on this week's episode because it's a pretty jam-packed one for one specific reason. Because this was actually from San Jose at the HP Pavilion Center. And this one, I I think we were going going back and forth if you and I both went. I for sure know I went, but I don't remember if... Uh, I don't think I went. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think I went to this mm-hmm. one. I think you're right. I think we went all together with my other buddies in the 2012 SmackDown one. Because I did look it up more, and I remember seeing us in that photo where it was... Uh, Seamus and Tensai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you clearly see all of us in the back. I, it's it's engraved in my head of Lord Tensai and Seamus. I never forget that one. But that... Ensemble of two people, yeah, it will just be forever ingrained in my head. It's like, wow, you know, we were caught on camera, yeah, looking at Lord Tensai versus Seamus at SmackDown. Yes, so definitely, we'll definitely cover that one on a future episode. But as far as this one, as I mentioned on the last episode, this is also the first time that NXT goes back to the same venue. And yeah, it was pretty cool that it actually came back to the uh, Shark Tank itself mm-hmm. in uh, San Jose. So really excited. So we'll definitely go with the standard format where we'll review the NXT episode. And then post episode, if you wanted to stick around, we'll kind of go through my experience with that show. And just uh, it was pretty critical time in my uh, wrestling career, so to speak, because that's when I was actually working with APW mm. and had some of the uh, the boys appear on that episode so mm. yes definitely stay tuned if you want to get some of that reflective experience as nice. i call it <laughs> nice. and uh we'll i'll definitely cover it after this review there we go. cool so we'll get started right off the bat here and yeah i can't believe that we're a quarter of a way in with episode 25 yeah um this season is like almost done already. It is it? basically it's almost like done. When I was looking up the episodes, and you know how like if you look on the TV, you can't just go and scroll from a grid. Mm-hmm. You have to go on a list form. So it started from like December of 2010. And I yeah. go backwards, and then I got back and I saw where we were. Yeah, it was like three episodes left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The heck. Yeah, they they did a really good job here because kind of everything that we illustrated in season one where we were kind of confused of like, how long is this going to go? When are people going to get eliminated? But I think the praise that you and I have have given throughout season two is that they definitely learned from everything that they did in season one and told us right off the bat. 
Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool that right off the bat, they had told us that this season was only going to be 12 episodes long. And yeah, they're pretty much cruising on by. And yeah, we're, we're pretty much into the, the home stretch pretty close. There was there were really no filler episodes. Mm-hmm. There were none of those. Hey, we're just going to have this episode and you might going to do something. Let's have some matches. No eliminations, no story progression. Yeah, there yeah. was at least an elimination or at least a stipulation or at least a something Asian going on. <laughs> so it was good. Yeah. No, I agree. And yeah, just going into this episode, I, I'll say right off the bat, it's, it's probably one of my favorite ones. And yeah, I think we just reviewed a couple episodes, one that I thought was really good, but I was really impressed by this episode. So yeah, we'll get started right off the bat. And yeah, so this is technically episode 25 it was on august 10th 2010 at the hp pavilion in san jose so yeah we start off the show with i I really like these kind of segments before we get the uh the the nxt intro where it's uh a kind of preview similar to what they did in a uh previous episode where they did a preview of the obstacle course and in this one they do a preview of the power of the punch which is what what would you call those machines that are? Uh, it's just like a um, punch, power, strength thing. It's like I don't know. It's just like I know you just go up to it, and the idea is that you punch it, and it's supposed to measure how strong you are, yeah. quote unquote. But there's no real like logic to the <laughs> measurement that they're giving you, other than just an arbitrary amount of numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty much the standard punching machine you've probably seen the last ten to fifteen years at every arcade or Dave and Buster's. Yeah, they got them at um, the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the warm California sun, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Boardwalk. <laughs> the hell, I'm going to the beach where I belong. Where the days are warm and the nights are long. Boardwalk discount coupons at Long's Drug Stores. At the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk in the warm California sun. Boardwalk! If, if you ever wanted to kind of mimic what, what Matt Stryker and Josh are doing here, that's uh, just head down to your local boardwalk and yes. I'm pretty sure. Come on. <laughs> so I thought this, as quick as this segment was, I thought it was pretty funny because you got Josh and Cole kind of demonstrating the the power of the punch which is also william regal's move now that i think about it <laughs> yeah so i you know it's clearly where they got the name from but uh-huh. i don't think that's what the machine is actually called. yeah <laughs> but that's what it is called now for us yeah power to punch baby yeah so uh michael cole here of course is being kind of the heel the heel as he always was at this time and is rocking a Miz t-shirt and John Cena headband and wristbands. Terrible. <laughs> he even had, did you see, he even had a, a toy title with his name plates on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he went the whole gamut. <laughs> so, of course, he's fully in, in Michael Cole character, just uh, chalking up his hands and everything. Just I thought it was pretty funny just because it, it did fit his character. So, he punches the machine and he actually gets a, a 728, which... Does sound kind of low, but when you see the results later on, it uh, you know he actually does a lot better. You know, <laughs> you know this was I don't necessarily like these type of competitions, but I love seeing people do this thing. Yeah, like anywhere at Boardwalk, wherever they have it. So seeing 
dudes do this in their underwear, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's even. It was even, like, more hilarious. But just the way that it played out, I didn't get everybody's scores, but I did get the top two. And it was just really crazy to see how this all kind of came down to it. Yeah, yeah. And then looking at the way that everybody hit the thing the way that they did, because nobody... They're all so wrestler, mm-hmm. and nobody knows how to throw a punch. But it was it was it was pretty cool. Like even Caval Caval went up there and kicked it. Yeah, and they, I think he had a really low score. <laughs> yeah, I actually have all the the scores here. Oh goodness! So it was pretty amazing. But before we get into that, it was uh, it's kind of cool because when all the wrestlers are making their way to the to the stage area because they had the the machine set up during the the entrance. Mm-hmm. They uh they had Laycool debut the the new split women's tag team titles for, right. for the first time on NXT and I really liked it because obviously they're playing more to the uh to the gimmick that it's Laycool that they're the the legit co women's champions mm-hmm. at this time and call me crazy but I believe this is probably and I think I'll bring it up in another episode I think this is the first time that they've ever had a custom women's title mm-hmm. in. In all of WWE, because normally we have custom titles for The Rock or John Cena, but I think this is the the first time that there's been a a custom title for any type of women's champion. You know, I think you're right. Yeah, so I definitely want to cover that in a future episode of women's championship. Since you know we've had Austin, we've had John Cena. I think you're right, and you know why I think you're right uh-huh. because. Each time we've gone to WrestleMania and we go through like the access and they have the titles, oh, right. you never see any different. Like you see the evolution of the women's title, but they never have any uh, custom titles in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So I think you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but we'll definitely try to cover that on the next episode or, or a future one where who we feel should be the first woman who actually gets a, a custom title. So, but just uh, nice. if you have any, uh, if you, listeners have any feedback definitely you know give us an email or or leave us a comment and see who you think should be the first woman to have a custom wwe championship nice so yeah so at that point then as you mentioned the rookies do start punching the uh machine to get the highest score and also the the winner for uh whoever wins actually gets to have a individual appearance on raw which Mm. so it's similar to Season one when David Otungo had won <laughs> That's right. and okay. and got the the GM the surprise uh, not surprise but special GM role mm-hmm. but in this case he's not a GM but he just gets to stand out uh, from the rest of the pack since mm-hmm. he'll be the only rookie on yeah, on probably like a solo match or something like that or get to walk around backstage yeah <laughs> catering yeah yeah <laughs> we get Michael McGillicuddy who goes first. And he kind of sets the bar at 863. After that, we have Kaval. And as you mentioned, he ends up kicking it and gets disqualified because it's not the kick, the power of the kick. It's mm-hmm. power of the punch. Not sweet in music, man. It is not. And even at that, it was kind of a low scoring one where it was only 297. <laughs> so at that point, that's when Cole starts bragging about that. You know, he's he's gotten higher scores than some of the rookies here. Mm-hmm. After that, then we get Lucky Cannon. Lucky Cannon... His is kind of funny because he kind of puts all his his weight behind it and almost trips over after he punches it. Yeah, he he trips over the 
that WWE sign that they don't have anymore. But I really like that thing. Too. I did too. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> then per- Percy Watson gets seven uh, seven sixteen, which yeah, Michael Cole also brags about. Then Husky Harris probably gets the lowest one from the punches and gets only 380. <laughs> and then finally, uh, Alex Riley is the last one. And it's kind of weird because he clearly beats Mick- Michael McGillicuddy's score when they, the, the camera's focusing on it because it does go above 890. Mm-hmm. But they don't show his actual final score. So I don't know why they kind of cut away from it. Oh, it didn't stop going? No, because they showed it and it it definitely went past uh, 863, which was McGillicuddy's score. Mm-hmm. And you saw it go into the eight, uh, the 890. Mm-hmm. But then the camera kind of already just panned to to Riley saying that, oh, he had won because mm-hmm. he, he had surpassed. Uh, it just didn't matter at that point. Yeah, yeah. But it... So I can't really give you the official score, Let's but just say 890. Yes, <laughs> it was kind of interesting. And like how you mentioned, I, I actually like this segment compared to the other challenges. But it was kind of weird because afterwards, Raleigh did have a some post challenge promo time. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit confusing because he had said that his coach is the Miz, who is a reality star. But he's a star in, in reality. It's so. almost a, like backhanded compliment. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. You sneak dissed him. Yeah. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely sneak dissed him. He's like, hold on, bro. That's not a compliment. Yeah. I think that's why the Miz even looked confused because he was like, wait a minute. Are you, are you dissing me? Are you dissing me? Or are you complimenting me? It's, yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was a bit confusing. And I think that's what kind of threw everybody. It, of course, the, the crowd too didn't know how to react and just kind of stayed neutral at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was. I, wait. <laughs> So after that, then we go to commercial break. And when we come back, they kind of recap a confrontation by our boys, The Miz and Morrison. And I really like this because they kind of tell two stories because they're building up to what is going to be a matchup later tonight. And they're also building up to the the big storyline of the summer with Team WWE and Mm -hmm. Team Nexus. This Sunday, you are one man short of having a full team going into the biggest fight of the summer against the Nexus. John Cena and Bret Hart said that Team WWE needs me. They begged me to join their team. So with all the stuff that we've been through, I want to hear it from you. I want to hear you ask me for help. I want to hear your voice say, I want Miz to join Team WWE. So, no, I won't ask you, but if you're so sure, why don't we have a match tonight so I can show you why we don't need you? Fine, have it your way. Yeah, this also is the first time that we get a pro versus pro match as the main event on NXT. Would you say that, uh... You know, kayfabe wise, yeah. Morrison went into business for himself. There. Yeah, yeah. It's like you got two team captains that are saying, "Hey, we want this dude," and you're just that one guy. Like, nope. And I'm a challenger to a match to show you how to win. Don't need him. It's yeah, like, yeah. You're not showing anybody anything other than yourself. Yeah. What is the meaning of this? Because when you when you think about it, that's what I'm saying. The the Miz is the heel, mm-hmm. but. Was he? <laughs> this happens to the Miz every time. Yeah. You'll see what he's doing, and he's supposed to be the heel, and then you go, oh, my goodness, I hate him. Yeah, yeah. And then you go back, 
and you sit down and think about what's going on, and he's usually right. Mm-hmm. And he's not the bad guy. It's usually the Miz comes off as his strongest heel when he goes up against someone who is really well on the mic. I can't remember if they've had a specific feud, but if the Miz went were to go up against Kevin Owens, for example, and if Owens was the face and the Miz is the heel, I think that's when you would have really good dynamic in 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 promo work because you know how well spoken kevin owens is Mm. and he could defend himself from any attacks that the miz has because the miz i think to this day is probably still the strongest heel like pure heel on the mic because of of how he just mentioned where he makes his point across even though he's a heel where you can hate him but you kind of have have to agree with him in some aspects you know yeah yeah because he's a heel but he's almost he's 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 a heel, but he's not a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, you know, he's like a bully. He's like Roger Klotz, mm, but smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A smart Roger Klotz. <laughs> Roger Klotz was not a bad guy. He was a bully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't a bad guy. Yeah, that's who the Miz. <laughs> so yeah, I I I think that's the whole thing is that when you see that default Morrison is the face, but he's not really, you know. Ba- you know, fully ba- backing up what he's saying, yeah, no. then the then the Miz kind of comes off as the the stronger, the better man here mm-hmm. in, in a way. Yeah, he's definitely the better man. <laughs> yeah, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, then yeah, we kind of kick off the uh, the next match or the first matchup of the night, and it is a three on three rookie bout. We have no entrances, no entrances going into this match, and this is kind of a uh, a rematch actually that happened on Raw last night. Where we have the team of Caval, Lucky Cannon, and Percy Watson going up against Alex Riley, Husky Harris, and Michael McGillicuddy. Last night on Raw, the team of Riley, Harris, and McGillicuddy actually got the win. So we'll see if there's anything different or if Team Cannon, Caval, and Percy have learned anything from the night before. So we have Husky and Lucky starting off the match. After some quick tags in the corner, Husky and Percy kind of face off. And Husky attempts to do a <laughs> mid-running air splash, but kind of mistimes it, mm-hmm. so he doesn't get all of it in that uh, in that move. And it it kind of continues throughout the match here, where there's been just some mistimed spots by Percy Watson overall mm-hmm. during the match. And after that, Husky tags out to Alex Riley, and same thing, Alex uh, or I should say Percy Watson Irish whips Riley into the ropes. But Riley kind of holds on to the ropes. And then Percy Watson tries to go for a jumping Insiguri kick, but also, again, mistimes that and tries to hit him in the head. But he kind of really, you can visually see that he misses. Oh, he clearly whiffed that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I looked at it and said, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he missed it, but Riley's timing was perfect exactly yeah yeah he knew when he was supposed to get hit so he was going over regardless so a plus to riley not waiting for contact yeah yeah, just knowing what you were supposed to do and making it happen so a plus there yeah because i don't know how it is mentally but when when do you actually know that you should uh kind of recall a spot and and just run it again but in that in that sense riley you know did the right call because to just try to run that same spot again it would look totally awkward you know yeah yeah for sure and then with that one there he 
since uh I guess the spot was for him to get uh you know take that kick. Mm-hmm. So he was under the guise of you know what, I'm going to have to propel myself to get over anyway because he's not going to be able to kick me hard enough with this move. So I, it doesn't matter if he touches me or not, I need to get up and over versus if it was a clothesline, he could wait for mm-hmm. him to touch him with his, you know, to kind of make contact to help him get over. Yeah. So that was just, that was interesting. So A plus on Riley, uh, F for Showtime. Yes. <laughs> or actually, you know what? Um, I say... C plus. C plus. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. The time. It was just. It. The timing was good. It was just the placement was off because everything looked good. So I had to look at it twice. So I was like, wait a minute. That looked like it was on time, but yeah, it was off. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's what I. I had seen throughout this whole match is that Percy's timing was just a little bit off mm-hmm. tonight. But at, at that point, then Riley gets back into the ring. And Percy tags out to Lucky Cannon. Cannon hits a really nice big boot. But for some reason, Josh starts getting on his case because he keeps yelling at uh, at Lucky Cannon from the broadcast table, mm-hmm. saying that he just wants him to, you know, have more attitude and to stand out. So it was kind of weird because at that point, I don't remember Josh kind of getting on Lucky Cannon's case. Yeah, me neither. So it was kind of weird that he was getting, ragging on him this late into the season already. At that point, then, Riley... Or I should say, at that point, the team of Riley, Husky, and McGillicuddy are kind of arguing on the outside. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, Lucky kind of hits a Undertaker dive out to the outside and yeah. lands on Riley. So it caught me off guard. And I thought it was really impressive, especially for a tall guy like Lucky, you know. And yeah, the pop was also super into it and caught caught off guard and really pop for that move. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then we go to commercial break. But yeah, I... I got to give him his props because I I think that was the first time that Lucky had done something like that. And, yeah, I think he did it pretty well for for his experience. And like I said, like for his size, I in that <laughs> when you know you could get over the top rope like that, I guess from there, it's just you let Jesus take the wheel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> trust that they're going to catch you. What what would you call that name? The the lucky dive, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, what's the um? Ro- oh, oh, trust fall. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that that's awesome. <laughs> or try out your luck or something yeah, like try that. Try out your luck here, baby. Oh, up over the top. That because what Kobe Kingston does the trust fall. Yeah, he yeah, jumps yeah. backwards like like Ken's like take you know Jesus take the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Jesus take the wheel. Didn't he like survive a yeah like yeah. a pipe beating or something yeah (laughs) poor guy i know (laughs) so after we come back from commercial break riley is able to kind of get back in control because he uh does a a nice underhook suplex from the middle rope Mm -hmm. and i thought it looked good but it was kind of a wasted spot because it was done during the commercial break (laughs) but but it's kind of cool that they replayed it yeah for sure yeah i was a waste i was oh man you guys are doing a whole bunch of stuff yeah (laughs) after uh, a couple of tags then Lucky is able to reverse McGillicuddy from the corner from another mistimed clothesline. And he got he at that point he gets the hot tag into Caval. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at this point, Caval is really over with the crowd because the crowd goes crazy for the hot tag. Mm-hmm. I kind of have to just do a uh, shout out to San Jose to, you know, they were really on point here tonight with all the different reactions. Bay Area crowds are always on point, mm-hmm. especially back 
kind of around this time because mm-hmm. they didn't come around that often. Yeah, exactly. And when they did, it was almost like a really big deal because oh man, we got some shows. Yeah, they're not just in Fresno again. <laughs> yeah, we got we got to go make the most of it here. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, Caval of course looking great with those kicks that he does and gets Irish whip by McGillicuddy and then Caval reverses it into that headstand kick that he does mm-hmm. on on the uh, on the apron because Alex Riley is on the opposite side. So he tags Riley as he's uh, pulling off mm-hmm. that move. McGillicuddy tries to kind of uh, get him into a move, and Caval also reverses that into, I believe, a dragon sleeper. Oh yeah, he got him with that. Um, that's a, uh, I think that's his move. He calls it like the bite of the dragon. Oh, okay. It's, uh, his variation of the dragon sleeper. So yeah, that came out almost from like a tilt a whirl. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's into right. in, that was actually smooth as hell mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that was dope. Shout out to them for pulling that off very smooth. And he hit him with that bite of the dragon. Yeah. I think he usually does it like on the ground. It's oh, almost like okay. a seated kind of camel clutch dragon sleeper. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why you want to get bent like that. But yeah. That's one of his moves. Bite of the dragon. Yes. And after that, then things do kind of break down where all the rookies get involved. And then McGillicuddy tries to go for the McGillicutter while Caval was kind of uh, distracted. But Caval moves right out of the way and lands his uh, his double shotgun front drop kick, mm-hmm. as I like to call it, sending McGillicuddy to the corner. And yeah, Caval goes upstairs and lands the double foot stop for the victory. Did you see MVP in the background? Oh, no. When he landed the... Uh, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> when he lands the Warriors way, like... You can see uh, MVP standing up and then like he steps on him and then he just like goes nuts. Oh, he, he marks out for it. Oh, nice. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. I, I need to go back and, and check that part. Oh, yeah, he gave him business. You can see it when he first does it in that camera angle uh-huh. and then in the second replay. Oh, for sure. okay. Okay. Yeah, I need to go check it out. Mm-hmm. I, I love it when the, the the they catch the coaches with a genuine reaction mm-hmm. like that. So that's awesome. Man. So yeah, he uh, the team of Caval, Lucky Cannon, and Percy Watson get the win at 10-41. After the match, then we get Stryker kind of rallying up the pros for the... Uh, the final voting. Then we head into commercial break and get a SummerSlam main event recap. After that, we get a SummerSlam main event recap video. Then we head into the main event of the match. During the entrances, it was uh, it was cool because Josh and Cole kind of uh, get really intense with the current WWE, or I should say Team WWE versus Nexus storyline. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job of getting over the importance of the storyline and building towards SummerSlam that was happening that weekend. So the Miz and Morrison start off the match with a couple of fundamental moves like arm drags and drop kicks. But kind of what we mentioned in previous episodes, since they are the two pros, of course, the audience is very invested with Mm -hmm. them since they're you see them on TV from from week to week. Even though that they are doing these fundamental moves, you can kind of see that the crowd is already invested right off the bat in this matchup just because they know that these guys are at 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 the top level that, yeah. that they are so if, hey solid fundamentals in wrestling are great mm-hmm. even the simple stuff if done very well it, and smooth will just look good like arm drags look great if both guys know what they're doing yeah and then kind of what you just said morrison hits the uh, standing shooting star and that gets a huge pop because at that time i i believe it wasn't used as regularly as we have it with modern wrestling now mm-hmm. so of course just seeing that especially from a guy that height was a, mm-hmm. a really impressive move back then and 
to be fair, really impressive now if someone still hits yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. You know, uh, John Morris is not that tall either. Oh, yeah? No, he's like um, like an inch taller than me. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's not that tall. He just looks really lanky and yeah, tall. He yeah, really, he's just very lean. Like, that's yeah. just a muscular man. That, no fat on that dude. Like, shout out to John Morrison mm-hmm. and Taya Valkyrie. Yeah. I like this next spot because the, the Miz, when he tries to uh, do his trademark jumping clothesline into the corner... He misses and then Morrison kind of uh, just sees that he's stuck in the corner mm-hmm. and then grabs him into a crucifix pen after that. So mm-hmm. I, I just like how smooth that that whole sequence was between the two of them. The Miz kind of goes to the outside to recover and Morrison follows up with his corkscrew splash over the top rope. And yeah, we go to commercial break after that. When we come back, of course, the traditional, the heel is now in control <laughs> during the commercial break. We don't really see how he did that, but, you know. Oh, he just did it like he always does. <laughs> so I'm not going to I'm not gonna question it. <laughs> Here I have just a small thing, but it's these little details that I really like where I like how the, the I like how Morrison sells at this point when he's trying to recover from uh, from the from the injury that he just had, where the cameraman kind of does a close up on Morrison's face. And, you know, of course, he's selling with his his facial expressions. And then he's slowly just crawling on the floor and grabs the bottom rope just to kind of start getting himself into the uh, the corner. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, he is trying to grab into the bottom corner and then the middle and then to the top rope just to slowly get himself up because he's selling the injury. Mm-hmm. But the way they kind of captured it on the camera and then you see the Miz in the background just stalking Morrison to hit the the clothesline, uh, the jumping clothesline again. Mm-hmm. It was just a... As, as simple as it was, I really like that shot because it kind of showed how um, the performers are really selling an injury and also working with the, the production guys to, to kind of tell the right angle. Yeah, to tell to, the story. Yeah, to tell that visual story at that point. So mm-hmm. definitely one of those things that I don't compliment as much, but I, I really wanted to kind of showcase it in, in this sequence here. Nice. So in the closing sequence, then Morrison is on the apron and kicks the Miz from the outside. And yeah, he lands in perfect position for Starship Pain. The crowd is really loud here because they, you know, kind of see the opportunity for the, the finisher as well. So then Morrison tries to uh, do the move, but then Miz moves out of the way. But Morrison is able to adjust midair mm-hmm. when he's uh, hitting the backflip and lands on his feet. Then from there, then uh, Morrison goes for his uh, Pele kick on the Miz, but then the Miz kind of moves out of the way again. Mm-hmm. And then Morrison kicks the uh, the top turnbuckle mm-hmm. and starts selling the uh, the injury there. So at that point, the Miz quickly kind of takes advantage of him, you know, limping at that point and then just hits the uh, skull-crushing finale for the win. And yeah, I, I really like that, that closing sequence there because of the simple storytelling there of trying to go for a finisher, trying another uh, trademark move and and not being successful with either one and him it it eventually costing him the match at that mm-hmm. point so yeah really good match and yeah both matches this week hit the 10 minute mark which is hasn't happened for a while so Rare. yeah <laughs> man dude so uh what they called Miz he's like since we're in the bay area i think Michael Cole's saying is he called that food oh yeah 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 John Madden of NXT yeah jesus christ but i would definitely I wouldn't mind if, especially now with The Miz being like a face, where eventually if The Miz gets into a random storyline where it's a tag team that's <laughs> beating him down, and all of a sudden you just hear that guitar riff. and, and <laughs> <laughs> Wow. 
And then he's running. Uh, he's running to the ring in slow motion. It's <laughs> like what the? Yeah, I would. I would mark out yeah. for a John Morrison return. Yeah, that yeah, would be great. Uh, he's got enough names. Yeah, 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 it doesn't matter where he is. My favorite is Johnny Mundo. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the one that kind of stuck in. <laughs> And I would have, I would be so happy if he came down as yeah, like Johnny Smackdown or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to commercial break, and when we come back, we get to the final segment, which is the poll elimination. And yeah, like I mentioned before, I really got to give them props where they don't really waste time with these elimination results. So Man, they sure don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they yeah, they just kind of uh, get into it. Or actually, I should say. They asked the rookies first if they, who they think should be eliminated. Who do I think should be eliminated? Take a look at this guy down here and his I got lucky shirt. First of all, he says he got lucky to be here, so why not just go home? Okay. Caval, who should be eliminated and why? Hey, to be honest, it's about making an impact here in World Wrestling Entertainment. And Lucky, I'm sorry, but you just haven't made that impact. Showtime, Percy Watson, same question. I'm gonna go ahead and say Mr. Alex Riley right here, man. Mr. Alex Riley, because he talked too much, you know what I'm saying? That's right. Okay, Lucky Cannon. Who should be eliminated and why, buddy? I think anybody standing here but myself should get eliminated. No one has put in, no one has put in the time, the effort, the guts, and wants it more than me. That's the key thing, I want this more than anybody. Okay, Big Husky Harris, who should go home and why? Lucky Cannon. I kind of laughed because when Stryker asked Alex Riley the same question, Riley says that, you know, other than Stryker, just because he asked me all these stupid questions, it was funny because both Cole and Josh popped for this and they started kind of laughing. So I think it was just the timing of it because the way he had said it and also the crowd and the commentators reacting at the same time. Oh, yeah, that was the perfect perfect one for for A-Rye right there. Yeah, yeah. So finally he kind of redeems himself back on the microphone and i really like that at that point then we kind of go to the results and we see some shifts here where Koval is now at number one then mcgillicuddy kind of drops down to number two but you know still pretty pretty up there Mm -hmm. then percy watson is at number three and husky harris actually bumps up to number four Mm-hmm. So he was in the uh, lower crop on the last poll. So he definitely jumped up a few uh, bells here. And so, yeah, it's down between Lucky Cannon and Alex Riley. So I I really didn't expect Alex Riley to me neither to be at the bottom here. Stryker kind of pulls both guys saying that, you know, the same spiel of one person's dream is about to end. And yeah, so we get Alex Riley at number five and Lucky Cannon is eliminated at spot number six. So, yeah, same thing with the San Jose crowd. They were really into this, uh, the the order of the standings here as they reveal them because mm-hmm. they popped for every reaction. And they, of course, popped for the lucky elimination. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, we get the post segment where, you know, the the only difference here is that Stryker actually had two questions for Lucky Cannon. He asked him, what does he think about number one, Caval, and uh, if he has any parting words for the WWE Universe. Yeah, my, my thoughts on Caval is it is what it is. I'm not even going to go there. All right. My parting words 
to the WWE Universe. I'm not gonna do what everybody thinks I'm gonna do and flip out. But I am wondering one thing. I'm wondering if the WWE Universe has been enjoying NXT season two as much as I have. I mean, it's like a new adventure every week. We've had a giant rambling on about a mustache trying to intimidate people. We have a nine-year-old little boy who sounds like Barry White. Listen, I said it once, I'm gonna say it again. I want to thank each and every one of you for this opportunity, and this is not the last you have seen of Lucky Cannon. The, the thing I really liked was that Lucky at the end was uh, trying to shake hands with all the rookies. And when he tries to shake hands with our boy Husky Harris, he with it. Yeah, he just mm -hmm. kind of gave him the, the too sweet, I yeah, think. Told him the too sweet, told him go away. <laughs> but yeah, so Lucky gets a, a good reaction here, and the crowd reacts to his uh, his promo at the end. So then afterwards, Stryker does ask the remaining rookies if, uh, or I should say he goes to Riley first mm -hmm. and ask him if he wants to do anything differently to reconnect with the universe since he's currently in last place. Riley says he really won't change anything about himself. And then he says a really good thing that uh, I really appreciated in, in, the, in the world of Half K, <laughs> mm -hmm. where he says that he doesn't really understand how he went from number three to number five when the only thing that he was evaluated since then was kissing Margarita last week. Mm -hmm. So he, I thought he brought up a really good point because, yeah, at, at that point, like what actually changed from there if he couldn't prove himself in the ring during that point? So, yeah. So A-Rod. Kind of. Uh, he, he was good on the mic this week. So I, He I, was. He was. A-Rod was actually really good on the mic this week. Mm -hmm. And he closed out his statement saying, like, well, it's all going to change because next week I'm going to be on Raw by myself. And on NXT, so I'll, I'm definitely going to stand out and make an impression. So, and then you should say, "You're dismissed." Yeah, close it. just to close it at that point. The show <laughs> at that boom. As I thought, we were about to close the show. Then Matt Matt Stryker kind of lands a uh, surprise on all the rookies, saying that there will actually be a double elimination next week. So then the uh, commentators get over the rules again. Caval and Lakehole celebrate with the pink shirt, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, which is also available on our online shop if you want a property of Lakehole t-shirt. Nice. Hint, hint. <laughs> nice. And yeah, we close out the show. And like I mentioned, I, I really like this show because I think everything flowed really well. And my, I might as well just go into uh, my fun facts and my scores because I kind of just want to recap what I thought about the show. Yeah. Not too many fun facts. The, the ones I mentioned were just the ones I had mentioned throughout the episode where it was the first time we did have a pro versus pro main event with the Miz going up against Morrison. And that, yeah, this was the second, the, the first time that NXT had gone to the same venue with the HP pavilion. I'll get right into my scoring where I think commentary did really good this week. And I gave him a 3.5. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, the only, the only slight critique I had was, yeah, Josh, kind of getting on Lucky Cannon's case for no real motivation at that point. But overall, I think they, like I had mentioned before, I think they did a good job of not only telling the storylines, but also getting over the concept of uh, SummerSlam and it, th them doing a really good job of kind of mixing both the current NXT storylines and building up the SummerSlam. So the matches, I also gave a 3.5 because they, uh, they were really good matches and I really enjoyed the uh, the main event with Miz and Morrison. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that both matches actually got pretty good 
lengthy uh, yeah. lef- lengthy runs there at the 10 minute marks. So yeah, I gave it a 3.5 there. With everything that I just mentioned, I'm actually going to give both production and entertainment a four mm. because I think they kind of went hand in hand this week where whoever booked this episode, I thought did it really well because how we just mentioned the the flow of the episode, it literally just went by really quick for me mm-hmm. as when I was reviewing it where we had the power of the punch thing going really quick and but it was entertaining at the same time then we had the mix of the two good uh matches that we had in the night and then we had yeah the elimination that was really well done and progressed all the stories moving forward so overall i thought it was just a really good show that i really liked it from a booking and presentation side and also just entertained throughout the whole thing i like that that's dope similarly Commentary and matches, mm-hmm. I went 3.5 each. Mm-hmm. Uh, commentary, I thought was pretty fun. They were yeah, they were in their bag a little bit. I thought it was pretty cool. Right in their pocket, hitting everything. Outside of that, it's kind of the same thing with the whole lucky candidate. Like, why are Josh, why are you trying to bury him? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the matches were good. There was... No, yeah. I, I thought... Um, I like the way that they got all the rookies in one match mm-hmm. and then just had like a pro versus pro yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if you were there, I mean, you were so like if you're there for that NXT episode, you got the most out of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, production for me, I went three initially, but I'm going to go up to 3.5. Oh, okay. That was a 3.5 episode. Nice. Yeah. Like I mentioned, I, I really enjoyed this episode and I'll be honest that I don't, really remember how it went down when i saw it live but just kind of recapping watching this episode again i i really 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 like this episode Mm -hmm. so yeah (laughs) we'll get into the combined score for this episode so it is a good episode 3.6 so yeah it's definitely uh way above average and yeah like I, i mentioned i i just thought the pacing of the episode was really well done and I might watch it again. <laughs> is, is this the highest this season? Uh, for this season, I believe you are right. I think. Oh, wait, wait, what is this? Or wait, no, fourteen and, and fifteen were from last season. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, so yeah, so this is the highest one this season. Yeah. So episode twenty-five, which is I can't even count right now, but uh, this late into the game is yeah now our highest episode for season two. So definitely recommend it yeah awesome so before i get into my personal recap of this episode for both smackdown and nxt i will kind of just do a brief next episode preview so i don't want to spoil it because we do have the double elimination for next week but i will say that there is a there is another pro versus rookie matchup for the main event and yeah this next episode is also jam-packed because we do have a double elimination so uh overall i would say check that one out as well (laughs) cool so yeah that does it for the overall episode recap so i kind of just wanted to dive a little bit deeper since this was a smackdown and nxt taping i should say it was a smackdown taping but nxt had aired live and yeah i i just really wanted to go over it since at this point in my wrestling career is where I was actually working with APW, which is all pro wrestling here in Hayward, California. 
And I was working with them as a kind of graphic designer slash eventually, I, I guess I kind of became the director of design for them because I had done the the poster designs, a lot of the logos for the for the boys and a lot of their kind of entrances and just promo packages in general. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time there. And I started there in 2009, which is, yeah, a year before the show had happened. So it was really cool just working with these guys throughout the year and then going into 2010, where I met some of the the guys who ended up being on this uh, this episode of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just kind of seeing the prep work and kind of just seeing how they went about picking out who these guys were and just seeing the roster that APW had, had that at that time. There was a, a really good amount of talent that they had here in uh in our area so it was really cool seeing the people who got selected to kind of have a moment and i i think you can speak for us as well when we've gone to future shows where we kind of see the local boys get work either as security or or yeah just as a as a jobber in the matches that it's really cool seeing these guys who you personally know have that opportunity even if even if it's just their stepping stone and they become something else in the future or if if this is their only time to actually kind of enjoy the big show, I think it's really cool seeing that they actually even get this opportunity. You it's know? cool. It's really cool. It's just like just seeing that when you see the people that you like met and had conversations with and stuff like that, and then you see them doing their thing on TV, it's like, oh, man, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I think most recently I seen. um was their name uh, Lisa Lace? Oh right, right. And on Rogan squashed by the iconics. iconics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh oh, and then I don't even know if we mentioned this on the podcast. I think we did. Marcus Lewis mm-hmm. was the first person to take <laughs> running power slam yeah, from yeah, yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman. That's right. So you could see that. I seen that on like a, a WWE.com list of like first time superstars hit their finishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We seen, we seen. Uh, I know we seen Will mm-hmm. Hobbs. Oh, yeah. We've seen Will Root. We've seen him a few times. Yeah, I think. he's he does it a, a a bunch of times. Um, I know Julio Pedroza was a cop backstage with The Rock <laughs> once with Jr. Kratos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good old Junior. <laughs> and then well, Marcus Mack was uh one of the. He always do stuff with them, mm-hmm. but he was. At WrestleMania, he was one of the Rusev dudes. Yeah. So yeah. that's hella funny. <laughs> yeah. M- Marcus is uh, the head promoter here of APW now. And yeah, just seeing him back then, too, is, it was crazy because at that point, he, he was more in the uh, manager role for mm-hmm. uh, our boy Rick Luxury. And wrestling personified, Ron, yeah. please. <laughs> yes, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wrestling Personify <laughs> himself, Rick Luxury. <laughs> So it was really cool just hanging out with those guys and learning a lot from them. And yeah, I'll I'll never uh, forget my time with with those guys and APW in general. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this episode of SmackDown, I was watching it on the network just to kind of I won't go over the whole episode, but just some some highlights here. So this is when they were kind of doing the celebration of SmackDown X, which is SmackDown 10, mm. where they kind of had the logo just with the X in the background mm-hmm. to celebrate their 10 year run. Which uh, they had the Let It Roll theme song, which wasn't my favorite because it just, I don't know, it just didn't fit to me. It didn't roll. It didn't Ah. roll. Uh, (laughs) I'm out of here. (laughs) 
<laughs> and as commentators, I actually liked the commentary team at this time. It was Josh Grisham and Matt Stryker. Mm. So, yeah, those two just technically know and call the action really well where they don't have as much uh, bickering back and forth compared to what Michael Cole and Corey Graves do now. Yeah. So it was really cool because SmackDown, of course, is still known as the the worker show. And yeah. then you had kind of the worker commentary team. So nice. It, I, I really like their uh, announcing throughout the night. Then we had your girl, Miss Vicky Guerrero, God as the right. SmackDown consultant, which I totally forgot about <laughs> this storyline. And she was, of course, with Dolph Ziggler, who was the IC champion at this time. And one of the thing I, I had here is why I really enjoyed the episode of NXT. The biggest reason why I liked it was because of the crowd interaction. Because NXT is actually, you would think that NXT was the one being taped, but that was the one that's actually shown live on I believe sci-fi at the time. Yeah. So that one is actually being shown live because it's uh, recorded after the SmackDown tapings. Mm -hmm. So you get the genuine reaction from the crowd, similar to what you see in modern wrestling Mm -hmm. now. But this was the time when SmackDown was Friday night SmackDown Mm -hmm. and they would post edit it where you would just kind of get the pre-recorded cheers from Mm -hmm. the crowd. So it didn't sound as genuine and it just kind of took you out of the moment. I was like during the time where I was not watching SmackDown. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? You can't get me on a Friday night to watch SmackDown. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of the thing that right off the bat, I was like, oh, now now I remember why. I liked NXT better than SmackDown during this time. (laughs) But yeah, I think my favorite matchup of that episode was uh, a rare Cody versus Christian match. Mm. So, of course, those are two of my favorite wrestlers. And for them to kind of go one on one was really cool to see live. Nice. I'll do more of an extended uh, recap with this one, because then we have the big show going up against our local boys here in a three on one handicap match. Nice. So. Feel free to chime in whenever you want as well, where we had the team of Derek Worley, (laughs) Fernando Vega, and Jody Reese, which is definitely not their real names. (laughs) And I'll kind of uh, recap these wonderful gentlemen. (laughs) And Derek Worley is actually Derek Sanders, but his real name is actually Justin Curley. (laughs) It was really funny, and I really laughed at the... His SmackDown name when when I saw it on screen, just because, of course, they were just trying to do a modification of his kayfabe name and his real name. So lazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I don't actually know who Fernando Vega is. I I actually tried to look him up because I uh, at the time, anyway, I I don't remember seeing him at APW or, Mm. or working there. So I don't know if he came from a different promotion in the area. But, yeah, I was trying to look him up and even on the. um the cage match website that I get all the info mm-hmm. from, I didn't see a, a, a profile there because it was just Jody and Derek that had their own oh. profiles. But so uh, if anyone knows who's listening and wants to give us kind of more of a, uh, a background, hit us up and uh, we'll definitely shout them out on the next podcast. Yeah, nice. And then of course we have a Jody Reese, <laughs> AKA Jody Christofferson. Nice. So yeah, definitely got to give a shout out to my boy Jody because from the three gentlemen here, he's definitely the one I got closest to while uh, during my time at APW. He actually started his uh, his pro career a year before I started working there in, mm. two, in 2008. So it was really cool because eventually when I was uh, helping out with editing and everything, I, I did get to see his debut match. And it was cool because they you know were really trying to get him over since if people don't know, he is the son of 
the famous Chris Christopherson. Mm-hmm. For those moviegoers, he's the 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 mentor of Blade. Yeah, Whistler. Yeah, Whistler. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Whistler. Yeah. But to uh, country music fans, he's definitely just known for his music career. Didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I just known for being Whistler yeah, from yeah, Blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had a very, uh, <laughs> very prestigious music uh, background and that's what? where that's where he gets his claim to fame and it was kind of cool because jody had done a tribute to him where he came out to one of his songs but it wasn't his song it was a cover from a band called i think give me give me give me me and the give me give me's I, I can't actually remember the name of the band but they actually did a cover of one of his dad's tracks and that would be his uh, debut track that he would come out to. So really cool and really cool way of paying tribute to your dad, but not really just taking his uh, his stuff to go out there as an entrance song, you know? You know, I just didn't notice. <laughs> I, uh, you learn something all the time. I man. just wasn't ready for that, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know that he was from, like, San Mateo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it makes so much sense now. Yeah. What is this? But, yeah, so my my time with him was awesome because, of course, he had debuted the year before, but of course he was still learning and, you know, he's still really early in his career at this point. So to this day, Jody's still an awesome guy and definitely want to hopefully get him on the podcast sometime to kind of get his insight on his time in WWE, on WWE and in NXT. But during this time, yeah, he was, uh, he was a, a rookie and he had done APW's Young Lions Cup which is kind of uh, WWE's version, I guess, of the breakout tournament that NXT recently had. Where mm-hmm. And then what? who else has a Young Lions Cup? I think what? Uh, the New Japan has a Young Lions Cup, mm-hmm. don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it was, it was pretty cool because I literally saw Jody's career kind of blossom mm. during my time there. And, yeah, he, uh, he had a brief run with WWE when he got signed, I think, in... 2011 2012 mm-hmm. and yeah i definitely want to see if we can get him on the show to cover his run there and definitely go over some of the episodes that he was on during the full sale era of, cool. of nxt so yeah so shout out to all three men and of course uh my boy jody on that one nice and yeah so at that point the big show of course just destroys them <laughs> and at this point, I think they're doing a storyline between him, the Big Show, and CM Punk, where uh, CM Punk had broken the Big Show's hand. Mm. The Big Show actually lands a choke slam on all three guys, but he gives uh, our boy Derek Sanders the TKO at uh, oh, the yes. um, yeah, yeah. or not TKO. He the, calls uh, the the WMD. The WMD, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mass destruction and pins him and Jody at the same time. Man. One more thing I wanted to highlight. It was kind of interesting. Looking back at this episode, this is also the last episode where they showed the last video package of a debuting Alberto Del Rio. Do you, oh, remember, do you remember those vignettes? My goodness. I do you remember kinda do. The, the vignettes where he's uh, just kind of talking from his mansion and just cutting mm-hmm. his promos. So this was actually the last one because he makes his SmackDown debut next week. So I was a little sad because I was I was thinking, ah, oh, that sucks. We missed it. We missed it by a week, but mm, it's okay. it's pretty cool just going back through this and, and, and catching. Then, uh, uh, rumor has it we mentioned mentioned him earlier, but Julio Pedroza, uh-huh. he was supposed to be Ricardo Rodriguez. Oh, but 
I guess right before they was gonna bring him on and do it, they found the other dude, mm-hmm. and he looked better because yeah. Julio's buff. Uh, so it's like he, yeah, yeah. they wanted somebody who looked less physically imposing. Mm-hmm. So then they got the other dude because you know that fool was a wrestler. He's is still wrestling right now. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think he was, you know, he was just loose door. So yeah, yeah. Because I, I think he definitely did that angle, and I believe he had a some some matches in WWE, but of course, his claim to fame was just being uh, the, Del, Del Rio's and like ring announcer. Mm-hmm. Really cool, just going back and, and watching this episode of SmackDown and and recapping the the episode of NXT that we just did, where yeah, these guys really from my time at APW really busted their their asses down there, and to see them like how we just mentioned to get that opportunity, even though it was just a, a squash match, mm-hmm. and people you know may uh, remember and forget in time, but just going through it, of, of course, that just. That visual of me just seeing those three guys in the ring was an amazing sight. It, it is kind of just seeing like your peers and your your uh, friends make it into uh, something that they wanted to do their whole lives. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. You out there? Is you out there? I throw your brain in the cobra clutch. Behold the rush. But yeah, so that does it for this episode of the podcast. I was about to say NXT, but we just recapped SmackDown. Haha. <laughs> But yeah, I, like I said, really, really good time and really enjoyed this this episode overall. So I did have one shout out I wanted to give out to our boys at Clark Street Wrestling Podcast. They cover a lot of uh, different modern wrestling when it comes to WWE, NXT, and AEW. But those guys uh, really have a good mind for the uh, the ring, or I should say, they have a really good mind for the product and I really enjoy their commentary. So I would definitely check them out. And yeah, on Instagram, they are at Clark Street Wrestling Podcast. And I believe that is the same thing for their Twitter handle. So I'll, I'll put it in the uh, description, of course, if you want to check them out. And yeah, I would highly recommend them. Did you uh, have anything? I don't. All right. <laughs> awesome. So that does it for this episode. And yeah, if, uh, if you want to check us out, we are also available on Instagram. Twitter, YouTube, and of course, Podbean. So that will do it for the Bark Bark Man. Mm, and we out.